What's up guys, Chandler here. I just wanted to tell you all about some new stuff for No Borders for Brothers before the podcast starts. One of our New Year's goals was to make some merch for everyone, and that is what we have done. I mean, uh, we partnered with Teespring to bring you some really awesome merch that will be expanding over the year. Right now it's just our logo, but I'm going to be making a few more designs like how do you wipe and stuff like that. I mean, stuff that's to our podcast, so it'll be really, really cool. Um... I've left a link below that leads to our link tree where you can find the merch store, um, our TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and everything. But yeah, uh, go check out all that awesome stuff and enjoy the show. Get her done, buddy. All right. Welcome back to No Boys for Brothers Podcast. I'm JT and I'm with my brother and partner in crime, Grant. What's up, guys? Today, we have probably our biggest guest yet to this date. Yeah, we celebrity. Have, exactly. Famous man, known worldwide. We have Grant's father. Say hello, doing, Dad. Dan? Hello. <laughs> there we go. So uh, today, we're going to kind of pull some stories out of him, get some of that wisdom going, and then uh, me and Grant both have a couple questions for you, and... Uh, We'll have some fun. Um, of course, the first question always for this podcast is how do you wipe? You know, do you fold the toilet paper? Do you wad it like front to back, back to front, standing, sitting? What's the deal, Dad? All of the above. <laughs> what do you mean, all of the above? What the fuck? <laughs> Are uh, you? I mean, I can't. I can't just wipe one time. I have to wipe front to back, back to front. Oh left, shit! You're a right, thorough right, man. Left, so you go all over the down, place. Down, standing up. Holy shit! Wow, you get creative with it. Yeah. I got a messy, I got a messy butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you almost have to get creative with it then. Uh, yes. Yeah, hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> they're a bitch, you know. They're a bitch. <laughs> The everlasting bitch called hemorrhoids. Oh, you got some, uh, you got some stories you want to pull out of them here. Let's yeah. Those. So, uh, one of my favorite stories that you always tell is the, um, basically the big winged creature of, uh, what is it? Pennsylvania. You lived in Pennsylvania. Finksburg, uh, Maryland. Maryland. Okay. Yeah. I, I want you to tell that story. Oh yeah. Well, me and. My four brothers, we were out playing in the yard when we was kids, and the back side of the house was a big cornfield. Mm-hmm. And we looked up one day, and there was a huge bird. What we later looked up and found was a pterodactyl. <laughs> and we all four saw this pterodactyl fly and land in the cornfield behind the house. So we all looked at each other and said, wow, did you see that? And everybody, yeah. So we took off running all the way down across through the cornfield. We can go down there and see that big thing. Well, when we got there, the the corn was mashed flat, but there wasn't no bird. Yeah. And then like later on, you found out there was like, a church or something built there, like a, a, a Satanism church. Yeah, yeah. That, so we moved out from up there, then they 
I've been told they had put a a satanic type church in there. Yeah. And and like the the thing is with that story is everyone's seen it. It it wasn't just you. I mean it was all of your siblings and stuff. Yeah, and, I, and ever since ever since that day I have fostered a belief that there is interdimensional goings on. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a lot of what Bigfoot is. Is an interdimensional being that people see but then it goes back to its own dimension and it's gone. Have you ever heard about uh skinwalkers? You know what skinwalkers are? Skinwalkers. Um so basically like the story of skinwalkers are in the Appalachian Mountains, it's basically like a fuck it's it's kind of like a shape-shifting monster type thing it has really skinny legs kind of like a wendigo if you ever heard of a wendigo um of a wendigo really fuck um it, it's a navajo thing and it, it's kind of like a, a witch that turns into possesses or like disguises themselves as an animal or like a deranged human and stuff to try to get you like pulled in and people swear up and down that fucking skinwalkers are a thing, and it, it's a big thing right now, is these people talking about skinwalkers in the Appalachian Mountains. Like, um, have you ever heard, like, screaming, like a high-pitched scream in the um, woods, or people talking about it? Then that's usually a wendigo. Or uh, not a wendigo, but a skinwalker. Basically, same thing. Oh, I know. Uh, hmm. That's skinwalkers is what? They they called them in the the uh, uh, movie with Harrison Ford in it, the Blade Runner. They called them Skinwalkers. Too. Yeah, yeah, very different though. Like very different Skinwalker. Um, and I also wanted to talk to you about your injury stories because um, that's a big thing on the podcast is me dislocating my knee, JT tearing his NC- and ACL. Um, and MCL, I think. Um, yeah, just right there, Matt. All your concussions, like, every, every, me cutting the tip of my finger off, you know, just, like, it's a little bit gone. Um, so, like, what, what has your injuries been? I know there's been numerous, and I know there's some good stories there. Oh, God. I've had so many injuries through my life, it's hard to. Hard to tell you where to start with them. So let's do this. Like, what's your, what's your worst injury or the one that you uh, remember the most being like the most painful? Uh, probably when I got my hands crushed and it cut my thumbs off. Yeah. So tell us about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was at work running a punch press, actually stamping metal transmission cases for snapper riding on mowers. Mm-hmm. And the press I was running at the time was forming and then had two different dies in the press. One formed the side of the case, and then you took it out from there and moved it to the second stage that cut the trim off the excess outside. Mm -hmm. And so actually the press was overloaded, Mm -hmm. and the brake got hot, and... When I moved the piece from where it got molded over to the side to be 
how the scrap cut off, the press didn't stop at the top. It, it came back down and crushed my hands from the wrist down and mashed both of my thumbs. There was like less than ten thousandths of an inch clearance where my thumbs was at. So yeah, they just mixed <laughs> in with the oil. There was nothing left of them. Yeah. So and, when that happened, did it like basically close up your hand um, for like, what is it called when like um, a wound gets a mass amount of heat on it and it, uh, a, a, a cauterization, I think like, did it cauterize the wound where you weren't even bleeding? Well, I was bleeding, but not as much as you would think. Yeah. But it just took it like clean off. Like it just took it. Like... Yeah. So I'm going to upload a video version of my end of things. Cause I, I have the video going right now. So like, on the video, this is where it's basically gone. Is like this area right here, basically like the whole padding uh, that's right below your thumb, and his thumb itself, basically got chopped off. Yeah, what they call the heel of your hand out there. Yeah. So what was the aftermath like? I, I don't know if I've ever heard of like the true aftermath of what happened. Well, the guy carried me to the. When the press come off, because I didn't think it was hurting anything because I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Because where it had it mashed up above my wrist, it basically pinched off the nerves where I couldn't feel it crushing my thumbs off. Hmm. But then when it come up and I saw there was no thumbs left, I had a guy there at work carrying me to the hospital in his pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Of course, we was getting chased by the police by the time we got there because... He's flying through town or in Rome and had his blowing his horn and flashing his lights and running red lights. And yeah. We had the police chasing us time we got to the hospital and I got out and went in the, went in the emergency room and cops come running up and see what was going on. And I showed them my hands and they said, well, you could have bled to death on the way over here. And I said, well, if that was the case, I could have bled to death sitting over there waiting on an ambulance to get there. Yeah, exactly. It takes the same amount of damn time. Yeah, so I was I walked on into the emergency room and the woman behind the desk looked up at me and asked me, says, can I help you? And I just raised my hands up and I said, yeah, I've cut my thumbs off and I need to see a doctor, please. Yeah. <laughs> and... She looked, got a weird look on her face, and she got run out of out, and they come back in, took me to the operating room, and asked me how long it had been since I had eaten, and I said, about an hour. Mm -hmm. They said, oh, well, we can't put you to sleep, so they had to just deaden my arms. But by the time I got the second one done, I done zonked out, and I, was, I stayed in the hospital from the... 7th of November till they let me go home for Thanksgiving and I had to go back in and have skin grafts done on them. Yeah. After that. And it was probably five years later or so five or six years I was helping a guy sell some horses and a woman would come out there looking at some horses and she looked at me and she says, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, no, sure don't. Should I? She said, ah, probably not. She said, but 
She said, I was the one working in the emergency room tonight. You came in when you hurt your hands. Oh, that's really cool. She, she said, I'll never forget you, the way you come walking in there so <laughs> calm. <laughs> your hands crushed all to pieces and your thumbs gone, and you just nicely asked to see a doctor. Yeah. And what was, like, the physical therapy like? Because there had to be some. Uh, oh, and I don't think you mentioned, like, how they sure. fixed your thumb. I mean, you have thumbs now. Like, yeah. Yep, I have thumbs. Yeah, so they took his uh toe his big toes off. They 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 took those clean off and put them on his thumbs. So uh they're not opposable really, but you have them at least. And it's meant for like yeah. what was the reason as the why it was like a balancing thing? Like it's easier to balance with you having thumbs? No. They it's just easier while where they don't work for small things, uh -huh. they do help with a lot of things, grabbing and pick, you know, like a, take a drink of water. I'd have to use two hands. That's fair. Yeah. Pick up a glass of water to take a drink. Yeah. And stuff like that. So how, it, was how... a, it was actually in the experimental stage at the time when they did this to me. In yeah. 1980, because I guess it was probably 20 years later, I was talking to somebody and they said, oh, yeah, I said, I, I recognize your hands. Said, They're still using the film from your them operations down there at Emory University. Yeah. So, like, people still study the, uh, like, you, basically, and your situation. Yeah. And... Um, what was like the healing process? Like how, how long did it take until like you didn't feel pain anymore? Basically. Oh, well that took the actual no pain a long time. Yeah. Because since my thumbs don't work like they supposed to, the index finger on each hand over the years has moved in that joint there at the knuckle yeah to spread it over to help compensate for the thumbs not working as good yeah and so i have i had pain up through my hands probably 15 years damn and same thing in same thing in my feet where they cut the big toes off mm -hmm. toes right next to the big toe spread their self in towards the inside of my body to compensate for the big toe being gone. Yeah, like if you look at his feet, like it would, it would look like you just were born without big toes because everything is in its spot now. There's no like missing place where your big toe was. Really, it looks pretty all natural. In my opinion, yeah. it, I mean, it looks pretty pretty all right. So it just looks like your foot goes straight out and then it's just toes instead of like um, you missing like a chunk, it looks like, and then toes after that. Yeah, the, wor the worst place where <clears throat> on my feet is now where that inside toe on my left foot where I broke it. Yeah, yeah. And where it was spreading out to cover, now it goes out and then it makes a 90 degrees turn sideways to go back to the other toes. Yeah. And. When you were healing from your hands and everything, isn't that when the chainsaw incident happened? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had been out of the hospital a week. Uh-huh. From when they actually operated on my right foot and hand, and I was helping my oldest brother cut down a tree in his backyard, and he took a backswing with the chainsaw and run it right across my right knee. Yeah. So I almost got like, your leg cut off, too. So I was in the hospital. Yeah, my brother said, pull your pants leg up. Let me see if I cut your leg off. I said, shit, if you cut it cut it off, I wouldn't be able to stand up. Yeah. But the doctor in the emergency room, when I went to get it, sewed up. He looks, he said, there, my right foot was bandaged up. My right hand was bandaged up. And my right knee cut wide open. Yeah. He said, he said damn, buddy, you on a roll here. I mean, yeah, just one thing after another around that time. How deep did it go, like the chainsaw? Oh, it didn't really go that deep. He just he just barely touched me. Oh, yeah, it just scared the shit out of him? Yeah. I'm sure it scared him more than it did you. Yeah, probably did. <laughs> Had to explain it to your mom. I don't, think, I don't think Richard's ever picked up a chainsaw since that day. Really? That's insane. Um... I have one more, like, basically story question. I want to know what your favorite childhood or like childhood memory is. If you can remember. My favorite childhood memory. Yeah. Actually, better yet. Better yet. Tell me about your fights. I want to hear about the football fight, and I want to hear about the basketball fight. <laughs> Well, the basketball fight was... Which happened first? The basketball fight. Okay, go ahead. Uh, well, uh, it was getting close to time for that class to be over with. and One big, big tall guy, that then he actually ended up playing varsity football. But mm-hmm. He had the basketball, and he kept just dribbling, going everywhere. And I got tired of it, and I said, Told him, I said, damn it, you big queer, just fucking shoot the ball. And it made him mad. He come over there and he gonna he's gonna fight. So I give him about eight swings to try to hit me. And he never could hit me. And I finally got tired of it. And I just I punched him in the gut one time. He rolled up in the floor. And I asked him, did he want any more? And he just shook his head and I went on. That was all there was to that. And and you got kicked out of basketball, didn't you? Yeah, and then the ninth grade, was, it was supposed to be playing flag football. And the field was muddy, and I didn't want to get knocked down in the mud. And I told them, I said, if I get the ball, I said, y'all don't be, because they was tackling each other. I said, don't tackle me. I ain't in the mood to get tackled. Well, these boys tackled me, and when I got up, I just punched him right in the face, and he had to go get three teeth, got knocked out, and seven stitches in his lips. And Holy shit, by one punch? Yeah. Jesus Christ. And so I got called to the principal's office the next day and scolded about that, and he wanted to know what where the coach was at while all this was going on. And I said, I guess he was in there in his office. I said, I never did see him. Yeah. So I got down there at PE class that next day, and he asked me, he said, he said, well, obviously you don't want to play football. He said, what do you, what do you want to do? And I said, 
Well, I like to run. He said, good. He said, from now on, you just come in, dress out, and you go out there and run around the field until PE class is over. That's said, fucking okay. hilarious. You were just Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. I like to run. Run, Dad, run. <laughs> Didn't you do wrestling or something, too? Or no? Yeah, well, yeah. I went out for wrestling in the seventh grade. We still lived in Maryland at that time. Uh-huh. But after one practice, I quit. Because I, my my parents knew I had to be there after school for wrestling practice. Yeah. And I sat on the steps of the school for two hours. And finally, nobody showed, picked me up, so I walked home. It was probably 10 miles to walk home. Holy shit. But, uh, so I told them I couldn't stay because I didn't have no way home. Yeah. And then wrestling and just in PE class in the ninth grade before I got just put out to run the I was wrestling and broke my broke my little toe on my left foot oh shit but I really didn't realize it I put my shoes back on went on the rest of the classes that day but uh, an hour or two later my, my foot was swelled up inside my boot and Went to the emergency room and they told that's when they told me I broke my toe and mm. of course then the coach got mad at me for that too for not telling him I broke my toe. Yeah, he got in trouble. And I said, "Well, I didn't know I broke my toe till later on." And he got in trouble. That's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Like, how was he supposed to know at all? Nah, I don't know. All right. Well, JT, you got some questions. Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of turn the gears a little bit here. So when me and Grant first became friends, uh, what were your initial thoughts on Grant having a best friend from a different country in Canada? No, I was, I was all for it, you know, because his mama kept him tight to home. She didn't want him going out making friends unless she handpicked them. Yeah. We talked about that before on the podcast. He found a friend, a, a friend he could have on his own without his mother sanctioning and yeah. having this friend hovering over his shoulder. Yeah, well, yeah. We talked about my shelteredness a little bit before, like on one of the early ones, actually. Yeah. Now, so then, fast forward a couple of years, then I come down for the first time to meet Grant and you guys. Uh, so what is your brutally honest first opinions of me when we were all together? Oh, I thought you was a good guy. No, I liked you. And I was glad, I was glad you could come. I was hated that it had to come so far. Yeah. You know, that you couldn't be around. Y'all could be in person more than what you are. But I was glad to have you come down and, and enjoyed you being there and while you're talking about that, I want I do want to thank you both for having me along on what turned out to be the best vacation I've ever had when we took our road trip around the country. Absolutely. So that kind of leads me to my next question was I was going to ask you what was uh, one of your favorite moments from that road trip because like, it was an amazing trip all around. We got to see some beautiful sights. Um, but overall, do you have like a, a moment that kind of sticks out that, that was one of your favorite moments on that trip? I had 
I had always wanted, I drove a truck all out through there for years. And I had always wanted to be able to stop and go see Mount Rushmore. And going to see Mount Rushmore probably the the best highlight of the trip for me. Yeah, seeing in the night and then also seeing in the day was both just like awesome. Yeah, we got really lucky being able to see it that yeah. late because I think they closed like 30 minutes before we got there. Or like, yeah, before we got there. Yeah, there was like no one even there when we got there. Yeah. We got some really cool pictures. Exactly. To be able to wake up in the morning and after and go see it as well in the daylight too, it was just, it was awesome. You want to go a couple questions there, Grant? Actually, I want to ask you, like, what was your favorite part of it? I don't really remember. I would probably be, hmm, probably just, honestly, like, Pike Place, like, stood out to me just how cool everything was and, like, the vibes in Pike Place. Um, That and, like, Santa Monica Pier. I feel like yeah, the the crazy vegans. Yeah, the vegans <laughs> just like I don't know, just the sunset, everything like oh, it was just the crazy sunset, crazy vegans as well. Then Seattle, just Pike Place and yeah, kind of like the hustle and bustle of that was kind of cool. All you low life meat eaters. Yeah, <laughs> it was so funny. Were they? Pepperoni pizza. Yeah, we were both sitting there eating a pepperoni pizza while they just flamed meat eaters, and we felt so <laughs> awkward just sitting there stuffing our faces. I was just smiling. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. My my favorite parts were definitely Pike Place and also the Redwood Forest. I enjoyed the Redwood Forest insane, a lot. Yeah. It was like a different planet. Also, like looking back on it, like. Um, that was where Endor, like the Star Wars planet, was filmed, I believe. So that was kind of yeah. cool. I, I visited like a a Star Wars location. Yeah. So that was pretty cool for me. Um, I mean, honest to God, JT, you stole two of my questions. So. <laughs> do, you, do you have any questions left, or should I just keep going? Just keep going, buddy. All right. So we kind of touched a little bit back on your fights um, and stuff like that in your past. Uh, but overall, what would you say your kind of high school career was like for you? Or how how did you like high school? What kind of student were you? Were you a jock? Were you like all that kind of stuff? Well, I wasn't a jock. Uh, I was probably not a popular kid at all because another one of the fights that I was in, me and, me and another guy was in class and it was warm in the spring, and everybody was bored. And he said, what we need is a good fight. <laughs> and I said, yeah. I said, let's me and you go outside at break time, and we'll have one. He said, okay. So he walked out the door in front of me when he turned around. I just laid into him. I reckon he thought we were just going to push and shove, but <laughs> I blacked his eyes and beat the shit out of him pretty good and left him laying <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> and I was in the principal's office for that, and he wanted to know what was what was going on. And I told him we just bored, wasn't nothing to it. <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, I was in the principal's office. He wanted to know what was the deal with the candy machine out in the break room. And I said, "Well, it took my quarter." He said, "Well, is it after you kicked the glass out of the front of it?" Said everybody else completely emptied the machine. I said, well, I can't help that. <laughs> so, you, so you didn't make too many friends that way then, huh? No. <laughs> no, they, 
there's probably not a handful of people that would remember me from my high school. Now, what what would you remember then from high school? What was kind of like one of your favorite memories then from back then? Probably one of my favorite memories from in high school was when we went to Mardi Gras. I was in the band, and we 1975, we went and marched in the parade down there at Mardi Gras. And I enjoyed being down there at Mardi Gras. Where was yeah, your high school? Was it in Georgia? I, to, huh? Was your high school in Georgia? Yeah, it was in Coosa, Coosa okay. Georgia. But, uh, but that also, while I was down there at Mardi Gras, I was standing in a place and I was going to smoke a cigarette. And this guy come up and asked me, to, could he bum a cigarette from me? I said, yeah, I gave him a cigarette. He looked and he said, can I get a light? I said, yeah, i give him a light. And he looked at me and he said, have you got a place to spend the night? Oh I shit! The damn cigarette I gave him out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Did not expect that one. That was a left curve. God damn! I took it too. Yeah, and I reckon that I had long hair back then. My hair was down about my shoulders. Grant seen a picture of me. Yeah, I actually have it. I'll show it on the video Longer podcast real fast. <laughs> yeah, this man. Oh wait. Come on, come on. Let me turn my brightness down. <laughs> yeah. You can kind of see it. Looking fresh. So I'll, I'll, I'll kind of take uh, a little bit more of a deep turn here. Um, I got the next couple questions or next two questions here. Go a little bit more of a deep route. Uh, just a little bit of backstory for those that don't know. Um, so you are not Grant's biological father. You may as well be. Uh, you've been there for him his entire life and have been an amazing father figure throughout his entire life. Um, but I wanted to kind of touch on what that situation was like uh, and how that was presented to you um, on being a father figure for Grant and uh, what, were, what was kind of your thoughts on going into that? Did you know that you would turn out to be like the amazing father figure that you are today? Or what was your thoughts and how that situation came about? Well, I... I really don't ever look at myself as being a great father figure. I worked too much, and I wasn't there for a lot of the times that I wish I had been, but I always did the best I could. And I had already, when when me and Grant's mother got married, she had a four-year-old that I had already basically raised him for 18 years so I had 18 years practice when Grant was born, and but me and his mother had got divorced about a year before he was born. When she when she went to and tied up with her new guy, and so when when Grant was born, she had already broken up with that guy and was talking to me some and. She needed help with the rent and places, uh, keeping a place to live. And so I just started helping her. And then when Grant was born, I just made the commitment then I'd be to raise him up and be the best daddy that I could to him. 
and would never make a difference whether he was actually actually my biological son or not. And and as best as I can tell, I never have. No, not at all. And I think at the beginning you were selling yourself short a little bit. I I I think you personally been a great father. You've uh, that worked your ass off to make sure he can have the most of his life possible, right? And I think yeah. that's uh, all you can really ask for. And I think you've done a tremendous job that way. So I wouldn't sell yourself short on that. Um, now, were you? So you said you had previous experience with. Uh, I'm assuming that was, that's Eric we were talking about, right? With the 18 years there. Yeah. So you had previous experience with him. Now, were you scared or had any sort of like different feelings going into uh, like the newborn? Or was it all just kind of the same, like you mentioned, just you were going to try to be the best that you can? No, I just, I decided I'd be the best I could. And even, t- even toughen it up, it got worse. When he'd have a messy diaper, if I was home, his mom would say, you need to go change him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I just never made any difference whether he's been, was that physically, biologically mine or not. So, exactly. And actually until me and him were talking about it just a day or so ago, I have... Everybody that I know, I have never mentioned. I've got friends that I've had for years, and as far as they know, he's biologically mine. I've never, may as well, never told anybody he's not really my son. He's, you know, I'm not his biological father. Yeah, may as well be though. Um, so one thing, uh, this is my last question, Grant. Do you have anything further before I I say the last question? I don't believe so. No. Okay, so we'll, we'll end on this. Um, what is something that you're most proud of about Grant? Uh, his behavior. He's, uh, his, uh, morals, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He's, he tries to do everybody fair and right and treats people like they need to be. And I just think that probably sums up just basically the, his moral and his character absolutely that he has developed which is sad to say totally different from just about everybody on his mother's side of the family yeah i I mean i have to agree yeah (laughs) awesome now now to end it off grant what is one thing that you would like to say to your dad and one thing maybe you're proud of with your dad or thankful for? I mean, just like you said was like you selling yourself way too short, basically like it, it didn't matter how much you were at home growing up because like you drove a truck for people who don't know, you drove a truck, um, Sunday, like you would leave on Sunday night, get home on fr- late Friday night to Saturday morning sometimes. Um, so you're gone five out of the, out of the seven days of the week, but like every, every week I would look forward to seeing you and everything. And, and that was the most memorable days of my childhood was not the, the weekdays, but the weekends when you were home and we got to do fun things like go out to the movies and, um, like hell I tell Chelsea all the time is like, 
Um, it, it's nice going out to the movies because we would every single weekend, and, and that's probably one of the most memorable things is, is like the. Uh, as long as we didn't go to the movies over there in Alabama. What's the movies over in Alabama? Are you talking? Oh, the fucking duck pond thing. <laughs> that's where when we come out, <laughs> all the Canadian geese was flocked around the riverbank out there. Yeah, I got attacked by Canadian geese. <laughs> went out there giving them giving them geese some Scooby snacks. Yeah. Which was fine until you ran out of Scooby snacks. Yeah. <laughs> All them geese started chasing <laughs> But, uh, like, basically the one thing that I appreciate about my dad is just how much work you put in to make my childhood and my living just the best it could be. Um, like the just the hard work that you would think every father should put in, but every father doesn't. But you did, and that's what made a huge difference in me growing up the way I did, and basically having everything yeah, that I wanted and all that type of shit. And it, I don't, I don't know. know who it was over here at the house that one day that I guess I asked where I was at, and you chimed up and said, "My daddy lives in Alabama." Did I really? Because <laughs> yeah, I work, because I worked, and that's where I was at most of the time in Alabama at the chicken plant. Yeah, hauling chickens from over there. Yeah, and so somebody asked where I was at, and you told them my daddy lives in Alabama. Yeah, I don't know why I said that because I know you didn't live in Alabama. Probably super young. Yeah, I was probably. How old was I? Probably. I don't know, just four hmm. or five, the little feller. Yeah, and I mean like. I don't know. It was it was fun growing up and everything, going in the truck with you for a week. Like that that was some good memorable moments. One one of the it, it's so stupid to look back on that one of the biggest memories that I have um is you remember when I would crawl up underneath your seat, basically like in try between to, Yeah, try to sneak up on me. Yeah, I would try to sneak up on you. Just like I would I would wake up from a nap or whatever and just try to sneak up on him and and like touch his leg or something without me without him knowing. And also seeing my first stripper, that was er, like um, <laughs> corner whore, basically. Yeah, actually, she wasn't a stripper; she was a prostitute. Yeah, yeah, I saw my first prostitute in Atlanta. <laughs> like, yeah, I told, I told her, I said, "You don't have to tell your mother about that part." <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty certain I did, and she was like, "Oh, lovely, that's fantastic." Yeah, that's that. That was a kind of rough part of the neighborhood down there in Atlanta. A little bit. Right up the street from is where they found one one driver when I was going down there. They found him shot dead in the sleeper of his truck. Jesus Christ! Oh, probably from a prostitute. Yeah, yeah. Because who I else had would be? To do with one. Yeah, this took a turn. <laughs> well, anyways, I, first of all, I just want to appreciate you for as well coming with us on the trip and making all that kind of stuff possible. Uh and always being so welcoming to me coming down there uh, to visit as well. Uh, some amazing memories from that. and yeah, yeah, I just really appreciate it. Yeah, I wanted, I hate it. I couldn't make it to your house when we went oh, yeah. on that long we had trip. To meet you. Yeah, we had to meet I you in Michigan. I convince the people who do the passports that I was born here in the United States good enough for them. Yeah. That was insane still. Yeah, we had to meet in Michigan then. Yeah, right on the border. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, anyways, I think that'll I think that'll do it for the podcast. Thanks for coming on and, uh, no, and being berated with questions. <laughs> Anytime, I think me and Grant both want to have you on again sometime. Uh, yeah, much more so we'll, stories probably as hell. Exactly, we'll, we'll dive in even further. But uh, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you everyone for listening and uh, watching on the YouTube uh, video version. Yep, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. All right, see ya. Ah.